everyone. Today I am talking with Carol Say Yang. Carol is an editorial stylist, she's a personal stylist, she's Sydney's Queen Victoria Building Style Director and she's been styling and producing food, beauty, fashion and lifestyle shoots for, for quite a few years now. She's an expert in the industry. She's been a fashion editor for Bride to Be magazine where she really revolutionized the bridal fashion pages moving towards styling a story rather than just shooting a product. Now she works with modern leaders and entrepreneurs helping them achieve their own professional goals through strategic styling and a really clever add-on service that has brought her experience full circle. She shares some incredible insights for aspiring stylists on how to start pulling stock, how best to start building relationships with brands when you're beginning your business. Um, And she gives us a really great background across editorial styling and her personal styling. I loved this interview. It's a bit longer than my normal interviews, but I know you guys will get a lot of value from it. So enjoy. Okay, so Carol, do you want to explain to the listeners a little bit about your styling journey to date, where you started, uh, where you're located, and um, I guess your yeah your journey from from the beginnings to now? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Sarah. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> it's been great, and I've been listening to your podcasts, and it's um it's been really inspiring to hear other styles stories from all around the world. So I think you've created a really great platform. For that, I kind of started. I started in fashion. I studied fashion design for two years, and at the end of that, I realized that I was really, really crap at sewing. Like I just did not have it in me to sew anything or pattern make anything. And how I got through my um, fashion design college was basically at at the very end, I would pull it together with the way that I was styling my range and collection. And we'd get really great marks. So I knew that's where my strength was. And um, when I finished, I kind of just worked in retail for a while, which looking back was a really great training ground for kind of helping clients. And, you know, looking back now as a personal stylist, you realise that all of those years you've been training to help people how to buy pieces to suit their body shape and all of that thing, all of those things. And I suppose I was kind of young and I didn't really realise that, but I had a great time, so it was fun. And then I was a little bit bored and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a fashion designer, so a friend of mine was saying, oh, you know, what about working for magazines? They do great photo shoots. And and I thought, hey, that sounds quite interesting. So I did a journalism degree after that because I thought, you know, to be working in a magazine, you really need to learn how to write copies and all that sort of stuff and plus I wanted to find out a little bit more about the difference between like television and print and radio journalism so that was a great kind of avenue to go down I did land a job so my first job in magazine was at NW which was really fun and amazing and was a really great start to a publishing career after about 15 years of working for different magazines I was doing beauty styling, so I became a beauty editor, fashion editor, and that was kind of like the road, really. Yeah, and then I landed a job at um, the Sydney Morning Herald where I was there for about six years doing not just photo shoots, but it was the first time that I was shooting with celebrities. 
and the amount of time that we had with them was so intense and short. So someone would fly in for two hours and we would shoot them, you know, like three different outfits really quickly and then off they go with their entourage. So I feel like that was a really great learning in terms of how to pull a shoot together really quickly and just dealing with lots of different people like PR and editors and the expectation of the celebrity as well. Just a quick question on that, Carol, just just in that little um, moment in your career, did you find that you as a stylist were a valued or, or perceived as a valuable member of that of that ensemble when you're putting the shoot together? Or did you feel that stylist's role was not necessarily um, seen as a very important one? I, I ask because what I see from the industry is that the stylist pay will often be much lower than hair and makeup, the photographer, the editor, the model. So I was just interested to see in your experience where the stylist fit in that kind of hierarchy at the time. That's such a great question, Sarah. And I think um, the thing is because I've always worked and represented the magazine or the newspaper that I've worked for, I was not just a stylist, but a creative director as well. So I didn't just bring the clothes to the shoot. I was kind of mapping out where the shoot was going, what's the concept, and speaking to photographers about the concept that we're going. We would have a pre-production meeting. If it was a big photo shoot, we'll go location scouting. So coming from that angle, I feel like you have a lot more say on the actual photo shoot, which is really important because sometimes if you are a freelancer and you get put on a job and yes, you have all of those things that you do like pre-production where you're going to shoot and that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's a different level of styling. You just don't have as much control because I work for the actual magazines and title. At the end of the day, I had the right to say, hey, this is the direction that we're going. This is what our readers want to see. So it's a different kind of ball game. Some shoots that you show up as a freelance stylist, you really are just bringing the clothes and styling the models and that's sort of it. So it really depends on the job and how much power you have really as a stylist. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so back onto the career journey. Um, you were... <laughs> I was rambling. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just wanted to ask that point because... I know that there's when you have an editorial shoot, you do have sort of quite a few players and it's interesting to see whether every creative member of that team is paid equally, if they're um, respected equally, if they have mm. um, equal share of voice in the creative direction. When you're coming from a fashion editorial perspective and you are the fashion director or the creative director and the shoot is for a, ma- a publication, that's your show, which makes sense. But then, as you said, there's other stylists for, let's say, campaign photography that come on and the, and, I, and it seems as though they're often seen as almost just like a, a PA and not so much mm. an artistic presence on the shoot. So it was just interesting. So um, back to your editorial experience and kind of getting to, I guess, the tail end of, of freelancing editorial or were we still in the magazines at this stage? I've mucked up our journey. <laughs> no, I did a little bit of freelancing, but I'm definitely more of a, a fashion editor. So I really, because I feel like at the core of every shoot, 
you want to be able to, you know, get the right audience. You want the audience to like what you do. So for me, like the thinking behind every shoot is always about the demographic. Who am I talking to? Are they going to like this? Like how much money are they? I mean, it's definitely the core client. So I'm much better when there is actually a really solid background and a product behind what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But back to the editorial, but I feel like a lot has changed now with social media and the way that people are shooting. So there are a lot of creative directors, so to speak, out there where they are creating. We're doing air quotes for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, I mean, look, I feel like I'm showing my age, but I'm, I'm like, you know, in my 40s now. So I've been doing this for 20 years and it was definitely a very different ball game. Like when I was working in magazines, there was different, hierarchies in terms of like which photographers could you get to work for your magazine because they only work for certain magazines so if you want a high-end photographer especially when I was working in bride to be magazine like bridal magazines were not value they were not high up in the ladder if in terms of editorial and fashion photo shoots and fashion is not really fashion and I was at bride to be at a time where they really wanted to change that so I had to go out and wine and dine photographers and hair and makeup artists because I wanted them to come on board. And the one and thing that was with your publication. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, look, I'm happy to shoot for you, but don't put my name on the credits and, you know, things like that. So there was a lot of that sort of stuff. And I wanted to produce a really great publication with really original bridal shoots, whereas in Australia at the time, the bridal magazine just was not like that. The shoots were very stagnant. It was very abatorial instead of editorial. So a lot of photographers kind of want to stay clear away from bridal shoots. But in Europe, where like they've got beautiful bridal editorial shoots in, you know, there's a really beautiful, really thick um, Italian bridal magazine. I can't remember what's called at the moment, but they just have the most inspirational, beautiful photo shoots. And that's where I wanted to take the magazine. So I really had to kind of go out and like grab those photographers and say, I really love to yeah. work with you. And I think that's the thing with most things, like you've just got to work with what you've got. So at the time, what was great about Bride to Be was I had this fantastic editor from the UK and she was like, How? Just go out there, you know, You what you can do is we were going to all these amazing um, honeymoon destinations for photo shoots. So she's like, use that. You negotiate with the photographers. We, we're taking them on a trip and we'll be at amazing locations. And so little by little we got on board a few really fantastic photographers that was working for high-end magazines to kind of really turn that advertorial to the editorial look of that magazine. For, for stylists that are just starting out, I guess, to clarify for them, you have images that are almost product shots or stock photography. You know, it's just a model posing with the garment. Mm-hmm. But then what you brought to Bride-to-Be and, in fact, I guess revolutionised the way bridal magazines presented themselves was by bringing in a narrative, a story to the photo shoot and being able to present the the garments and the dresses and the looks in a story format as opposed to just being a catalogue of images is that right absolutely absolutely and avatorial is often shot in um in a studio so you can click over lots of different dresses very quickly 
Yep. Without changing the lights or anything like that. And we actually, when I was there, we had the first cover brush that was not shot in the studio. It was outdoors. It was by the ocean. So that was wow. kind of the beginning of, of all of that. But I know that at the time the advertising girls were having such a hard time trying to convince advertisers to let go of that concept of, you know, if you advertise, you get two dresses shot front on, full length, yep. into let the girls do what they know how to do and this is how we're going to bring more readers and have a wider audience for the magazine. So you really, as a magazine, working together with the advertising team as well to achieve that. That probably ignited the constant battle between the fashion editorial team of a magazine the advertising account managers and the clients because coming from client side where I'm like, listen, I'm paying for a full page ad. I don't just want the corner of the bra of our brand to be seen. I appreciate it doesn't fit in with your narrative. Uh, and it becomes a re- it's, it's really, really hard for everyone to kind of create this artistic presentation that the, the reader will love, the client's happy with, the ad manager's happy with, stylist is happy with, nightmare. But you, I guess you kind of pulled together your own dream team eventually of photographers yeah. and hair and makeup artists, which is which is something that you've kind of taken with you as you evolve. That absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of those people are still my friends now. So yeah. we had a you know a couple of really tight teams. Some of them are still like my best friends. And we had a ball. We actually had a lot of fun doing that magazine, going away on trips and, you know, working things out, like how are you going to pack like 20 wedding dresses <laughs> into five suitcases and things like that. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we had a great time. And at that time, magazines, it was That was the golden age of magazines. <laughs> that really, Where people had budgets. <laughs> And we did lunches and yeah. yeah, that was, that was a really, if you were, you were working with ACP or. Yes. So Bride to Be was bought out by Time Inc. So mm-hmm. we were in the same group as so Who Magazine and InStyle Magazine. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Uh, we had this thing where we, we did a couple of shoots. I did a few shoots for InStyle Magazine as well and because we were in the same building. So you're, you're able to kind of go and shadow another fashion editor, which was a really great learning wow. experience. But that's when you're like, oh, gee, people really don't want to work for Bridal Magazine. It was it, yeah. really tricky. Like Bridal Magazine was definitely at the bottom rung of all the magazines. I guess it just had a different function, didn't it? It was It was sort of very much specific to people that are, looking to plan their wedding, they just want to see a catalogue of all of the dresses, veils, shoes, accessories they need. Then they're not sort of reading it well. There'd be a small percentage of the of the readership that are enjoying the the magic of weddings in general. But I guess there was a there's a different reason why people buy those magazines. And as the the nature of magazines and the industry itself started to yes, shift, you right. became a freelance stylist as opposed to working under a title. Is that right? No, so straight after Bright Me Magazine, I went to Simone Herald. So they had two in-house stylists at Fairfax mm-hmm. and basically we worked across all of the titles. So with Fairfax, um, like Good Living, Domain, Spectrum, all of those icon, they all have a different editor. So the editor would book in a shoot with us when they need 
something done. So it was such a fantastic, like, learning platform for me personally because not only was I doing fashion because I was working with Kelly Hush was there at Fairfax at the time and she started, she headed up this different section called Essentials and Mm -hmm. that was purely fashion and that went on for a couple of years, I think. And that was really great. So not only was I doing fashion, I also learned how to shoot food mm-hmm. as well as working, like I was mentioning before, with different celebrities. And that's all like slightly different take on how you work as a stylist between all of those shoots. So it was such a great learning ground for me. And I had such a great time because I feel like with Fairfax, they it's like a really grown-up place to work. <laughs> yes, it's a more serious, conservative place to work, I think. Yeah, and people are like they're serious journalists and they're editors and it's like there's a level of trust there that you can do the job. We've hired you and you can do this job. There was, you know, so I had to really like go to myself, okay, you can do this. You've never done the food trip before, but you can do it. <laughs> it's interesting you say that, Carol. I... um. I had a question from some RMIT Diploma of Fashion Styling students yesterday, which was, how do you keep your confidence level up um, as a stylist? And it's something I had actually not thought before. When when you are styling a shoot, how do you kind of keep yourself mentally in check to mm. go, you can do this, this is good, trust in your in your aesthetic and your skills? So is it just that little mental monologue that you tell yourself that oh everything's going to be okay? <laughs> you know, I remember every night before the shoot, I would have packed the car, you know, I've got everything, I've got my checklist, got the steamer in there, check, 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 check. And it's always like I'm really like a bit nervous. I have a late night because I'm worried, stressed about what, (laughs) have I forgotten anything, you know, that sort of thing. And then the next, I always get up really early the next morning and I get like butterflies. And it didn't matter how long I had been styling for, I was still feeling like that. And I said to my husband, I said, I don't know why I'm still feeling like this. I'm so nervous about the shoot. And he's like, it's because you care. If you stop feeling Mm. nervous anymore, you don't care anymore. So usually when I get there, I'm a bit like, okay, is everybody okay? Is everyone arrived? You know, do. And then once we've done the first shot, I'm like, okay, we got this. This is good. So it is a bit of a dialogue in your head. And I think the more prepared you are for the shoot, the more relaxed you can be on the shoot. Because sometimes when you're packing, you just never know. If you're like, oh, should I take that extra, you know, three hats or whatever, you like just yeah. take it because you never know if you're going to need that. That one hat's going to make the shot. <laughs> so if in doubt, take it. <laughs> take the hat. <laughs> take the hat. Sage advice. So from Sydney Morning Herald, you then went where? What did you do? So um, when I worked at Sydney Morning Herald, it was a pretty full-on job and I was probably there for about six years. Um, I had my two babies there, bless mm-hmm. the maternity leave. And after my second child, we, my, my family and I actually moved to Shanghai for two years. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandmother was really ill at the time and we just thought we'd take a break and move to Shanghai. And then we came back two years after that. So after my second baby, I just felt like, you know, the time has come for me to leave. And I actually felt at the time that it's like, Fashion is not a young person's game, but being a fashion editor, 
you know, I feel like my time was up. I really feel like, you know, I wasn't that inspired anymore to do the actual really trending fashion shoots. I still love doing the food shoot. But, yeah, I suppose my focus was elsewhere. I had the two babies and I wanted to give it a bit of a break. So after that, I had probably a year and a half of not working at all and just being Mm -hmm. a stay-at-home mum. And to be honest, at the end of that, it really, it, it kind of drove me crazy because I had a job that was, <laughs> you know, semi-high profile, Star Wars to see my hair, we were always at the shows and it was really fun. And suddenly I feel like I was at home just being a stay-at-home mom, changing nappies yep. and like feeding and Watching making ABC babies. Kids. <laughs> That's right. But the funny thing, if you're talking about in terms of fashion, is that I had loads of going out clothes I had mm-hmm. so many going out clothes it wasn't even funny like you know launch here launch there drinks here and um I had nothing to wear when I was at home with the kids I had to just yeah. kind of rethink that whole you know scenario yes, at home. <laughs> yes I hear you this is my casual option <laughs> not appropriate <laughs> I like that pink little zebra number. It's cute. Thank you. Little country road number I just picked up. I'm obsessed with pink um, and oh. I I don't fill the gaps in my wardrobe with basics. So I just have like bright colours that that kind of don't go with anything. So <laughs> I guess part of the reason why I love working with stylists is I can just kind of subtly get lots of little tips but then chastise <laughs> you all for not charging me for it. Anyway. <laughs> And you're funny. So I, I suppose after the ceremony here, I was kind of a little bit lost. I was like, you know, I've had this great career being a stylist and um, I know I know that visually I can make things happen, but I just wasn't really sure which direction to go in. And it kind of happened really randomly. Like a friend of mine was going back to work full time and she said, look, I've been at home for a year and a half and can you just come over and help me put some outfits together because I'm going back to work full time. I'm not going to have time to scratch myself. And, you know, I just actually don't know what I should be wearing anymore. So I was like, all right, cool, you get a bottle of wine, I'll come over. And um, it kind of sort of started there. We just went through her wardrobe, had a few glasses of wine, had a few laughs, like, and um, we started chucking things out. And I said, you know what you really need? You probably just need like this, this, and this, and this, and you can wear this with that. And she said, well, why don't we just go out and, and, you know, do half a day of shopping or something? I went, sounds great. Let's do that. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was kind of how I started the process, which a lot of people do it, like the edit, the shopping, and then the mm-hmm. styling. So with her... The styling, she just didn't know how to put pieces back together with each other. And also going from a a fun, no children woman in her late 20s to, you know, someone who's had children, her body shape has changed a little bit. And going back to work full time in a little bit more senior role was, you know, all of those answers kind of made up what her style should be so from that one one friend she went back to work and they were like oh god you look so great she goes oh I had my friend Carol came over and we did this and we did that (laughs) and um from there it just it just went from there so one you know another friend came from her her office and then I think in about four months time I had it was people that 
had no connection to my friends anymore. So the word that wow. of, the word of mouth had gone from a friend to a friend, another friend who I sort of know, gone somewhere else, and and then there were people like, oh hi, I've never met, never met you before, but you know I know such and such, and can you do what you did for her for me? Yeah. And then I thought after about a year, I thought, hey, you know, there's something in this. I can do this, and it's fun. Yeah. So that's how the personal styling thing started. And and I know your clients, your core clients are typically CEOs and managing directors and entrepreneurs. So women in senior in a senior capacity that are at a different age and they're sometimes in a position where you've got a lot of other younger women, potentially younger single women working for them. And all of a sudden, the way that they're presented in their clothing and their style and their look is really, really important. And we're not, you know, before kids, we are, we all kind of shop a lot and know what we like and you can really pop anything on. But then as we get older, you do need a little more guidance and advice. And it's so important for those women in a professional setting to feel as powerful as they should because they've mm. worked hard, they've got incredible expertise, and they just want that sort of external look to match the inside. So you you seem to attract that type of client. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, having um, my business now for a couple of years, I do find that core client. I do attract that type of woman because I think my style is quite simple. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit sophisticated. And, you know, I really believe that fashion doesn't mean uncomfortable. Like I'm I'm not really into trends that's uncomfortable. So I always say to my client, it's got to be comfortable so you can be the best and look the best without feeling like, oh, that's really, you know, digging into my back or the skirt's a little bit too tight around the waist. Or it's cold. Yeah, it a lot funny. of fabrics are just cold. I hate feeling cold, you know. <laughs> you do live in Melbourne, love. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Everything's cold except the fur that I've got, my little ostrich fur, which fake ostrich, I don't know what it is. It's polyester. But, um, yeah, So and comfort for you, I know you have a lot of clients because of their seniority, they're travelling a lot and so you're kind of having to map out every single look for every single mm. meeting and function and presentation when they're travelling which is also important to have that comfort component as well as that powerful sort of, you know, presenting your most professional self. That's right. That's right. And I feel like um, a lot of my core clients are not in their 30s. They're probably more in their 40s and 50s. And I think by that age, you are tired of wearing heels. Um, As well as that, they want to go from A to B really quickly. You know, they want to look Mm -hmm. good and they're basically running around with family, their job, all of those things and I just feel like they want to look like they're in control but comfortable and mm. polished. That's really the main goal of the style guy. Um, another thing about I feel like working with this type of women like business leaders and CEOs is that they have no time. They've got no time for BS. They've got, you know, they just want someone to come in to help them and yeah. I give them a style guide so they can always refer back to what outfits they want to wear. And, you know, that's it. They don't want to see me. I don't want to see them. Like, we're good for another season. <laughs> this is probably not a great business. Um, no, but interestingly, business. <laughs> your core clients will shop around three times with you and then um, to kind of keep refreshing their wardrobes and they've got their, their style guides. 
But the way that you've been scaling your business, which is really interesting and something I wanted to ask you more about, is this upsell component that you've built in. Mm-hmm. The CEOs and entrepreneurs and business women who have invested time with you to do the wardrobe edit, the shop and the style, you've then launched branded photography. Talk me through that. That's very clever. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Um, I suppose it was just a natural progression, really. So I've got my clients who they've been with me for like, you know, I always say just stay with me for two years. You've done two seasons, one summer, one winter. The next year you do another summer, another winter, and you should be okay to kind of go on your own because things don't Mm -hmm. change that much. You add a few more trend-driven pieces in it and that's fine. And once they're looking good and, you know, I see them on social media or wherever, they're like, oh, you know, feeling great. I, a lot of these clients have their own businesses and they want to have this, now that they've got this new image, new look, like how do you capture it and put on, you know, the LinkedIn photos and the Instagram photos yeah. and as well as their own website. So with my background in photo shoots, I've still got all my amazing contacts from when I worked you know, and did all the editorial shoots. So from Fairfax as well as from, you know, freelancing days. So I just thought, you know what, that's something that I could offer clients. And it's not going to be the boring corporate profile shot. It's actually, Mm. again, it's about presenting the authentic self in this profile shoot. So we never go to a studio. So it's really plain boring, but instead using really beautiful natural light, you know, and projecting their new image. Yeah, their new brand. You've you've rebranded them. Yeah, that's right. It's really clever. Thank you. (laughs) I know you like to kind of educate your clients and then kind of set them free (laughs) after a few seasons. But thinking from a business perspective, how do I retain those clients in some way that is relevant to them and provides further value to them, but also fits in with where you would like to take the business? Being able to offer this kind of upsell option of now capturing their new brand with new headshots, social media shots they can use on their website, their email signature, a press release or a bio. A lot of these women are doing a lot of public speaking as well or they're authors. So it's a really clever way of providing something extra to continue the journey with them whilst not trying to push the same experience that may not be relevant for them. Yeah, yes, that's right. And I feel like, you know, people are not people are not stupid, especially with the clients that I'm working with. They are at the top of their game. They know mm. what they want and they it's a service that you provide and you just want to be, you know, it's basically the way that I work is the same as the way that they work. It's just, you know, let's get in, get the job done. You've yep. got this file that you can follow through. And let's move on. And it's really about, I feel like I can't be selling the same stuff to the same clients. Once they've Mm -hmm. got the knowledge and they know how to dress themselves, like that's really the best that you can ask for as a stylist, that they, you know, as a human being, they know how to dress their shape and they're looking great and confident within themselves to do it. You don't want someone to be asking you all the time, like, oh, is this right? Is this not right? You know, for years, it's just not. It's really not the way that I want to be as a personal stylist. I just feel like I want to help them. And it's, yeah, I suppose that's my philosophy. But sometimes I feel like it's probably not a great <laughs> Yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> not going to be making millions doing that. <laughs> no, but do you know what? I think um, that it, it's it, it's your background in, in the editorial space where time is money and you've got an objective and you want to achieve that objective as opposed to someone that comes from a service industry where they're used to providing that service on a regular basis in, mm. in a relationship way continually because there will be clients that actually say, do you know what? I just love going shopping with a stylist. That's something fun. Or they just love having someone present new looks and potential style guides and ideas for them. And then there'll be the clients that say, this is a current barrier to my success. I just need you to solve the problem by mm. building a wardrobe for me taking some new photos, and then I'm on my way. So you'll have a mixture of, um, of clients and you're in a fortunate position where you do have a full roster of clients, which every stylist dreams of. So I know the the kind of going back to the shoots is where your head's at. That's right. I really love, you know, making people feel good and they're always so amazed when you take the first shot and they're like, oh, my God, that's me, you know. So I do love that high that you get from a, a photo shoot day and I, I know a lot of stars love that as well and to be able to make them feel good in the, their own clothes you know the clothes that we've styled and it's their new look it's just really great and I still get to work with my friends like photographers and hair and makeup artists so it's always a massive laughing attack kind of <laughs> <laughs> full on day which is which is always fun you know on that note about I think you were saying about clients wanting to move on to, you know, my whole philosophy about shopping and as I get older as well, it's just really about, you know, you, you should be buying less, not more. With this whole COVID thing, people are like, I don't have anything to wear at home. And I'm like, oh, really? You know, you should actually have a wardrobe where you're comfortable wearing all the time. And if you're doing something a little bit more, like you're talking on Zoom or you have a few jackets that you wear. So, I just don't want people to go out there and buying and shopping up with the wrong stuff. It's just not my philosophy at all. And I have clients that, like, I said, you know what, you actually don't need any more clothes. You can wear this with this and wear that with that. And they're like, no, 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 I just want to go shopping with you. Let's go shopping. And I'm like, if you want to hang out, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this is why there's this huge gap for stylists and we're just kind of waiting for it to hit critical mass I guess every single woman has a jam-packed wardrobe there's there, no one has nothing to wear the point is we don't know how to put the pieces together and the only person that does is a stylist so we keep as as clients just shopping and and kind of adding to the wardrobe thinking this will solve everything this will solve everything a pink and black striped dress what was that going to solve nothing <laughs> That hasn't tied in a single thing. (laughs) It made me bloody happy, which was fantastic. But it also, a flaming yellow maxi skirt. I don't know why I just bought that from Beckham Bridge. It's lovely, but I've never worn it. What would I put it with? So having this opportunity for a stylist, someone who is skilled in the art of curating all of those things, tying them in together and making you make more sort of sustainable conscious shopping choices is the way forward and it's just our job to get everyone on board that's right I, I feel like you know I always said the last session because I work you know the three different sessions to get the full impact the last session the style session is always the most important I just feel like you can buy all you want but if you don't know how to put it together it's a fail 
Yeah. So it's just Absolutely. really like the zhuzh, you know, it, it's I'm more about, you know, the little French tap, the role of the sleeve, like where you sit in your collar, have you got a necklace on just to balance out the proportions and silhouette. So I feel like that style, that last session where I get my hands on them and putting things on and tucking this and doing this is really the funnest and the best part. The styling part of styling. That's right. It is. So it's not, it's less about shopping and more about the styling. I think the emphasis has got to be. Yeah. It's a really good point to end on. Carol, that was sensational. (laughs) I feel like I ramble on. I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm like (laughs) in my head going, this is a really, really good episode. I'm really excited. I love the fact that you, you've you effectively kind of come full circle from editorial shoots to personal styling and kind of now turning personal stylists, giving them the opportunity to be in an editorial shoot of sorts. Yeah. I loved the inside, behind the scenes anecdotes you've shared about being on a shoot and the hierarchy and the the aesthetic of magazines. I just think that's really, really interesting information. And I'm, I re- I'm, thank you so much for being open and trusting enough to share this stuff because oh, it is welcome. your own business. But it's so, it, the feedback I get from every stylist is, oh my gosh, that was so great to hear other people going through the same things understanding that everyone has to start somewhere and you know there are there's always going to be challenges Mm. it's just really it's really really great so I know that I'm I'm really excited to just get this edited and get it out oh I feel like you know I've listened to your podcast and there's always a section where you ask like what's your advice for young people and I think oh um, my god wait I'll introduce that now okay so final segment the future of styling where is the future of styling headed and what advice would you have for aspiring stylists who are just starting their careers? Mm, it's such a good question. I've, I feel like, you know, knowing what I know now, I feel like if you're a young stylist starting out, just go with your passion. If you really enjoy working in retail, do it. Because every single step that you take, you're learning something. And you don't know how it's going to fit together at the end, but it will somehow. So if you want to work in retail, work in retail, you know, gain as much experience as you can. If you wanted Mm -hmm. to, you know, tail a editorial stylist, do that. If it doesn't work out, like try something else. But every single thing that you end up doing, it kind of brings you together as a whole person. So you don't have to set your mind into I must be this or I must be that person or I want, you know, like that. You've just got to be agile in this environment at the moment where things are changing rapidly with social media as well so just follow your passion and know that everything that you are learning will come good someday together does that make sense (laughs) it definitely does it definitely does comically um the last two words of that sentence were completely distorted so I think what you're trying to say is all of the experience that you gain will come together and benefit your business in the future that's right my another question for you when you were doing editorial shoots and then from a personal styling perspective it would have been much easier for you to borrow stock either for the shoot or Mm -hmm. potentially if you were to bring some clothes to a client because you already have an established reputation as an industry expert. I know a lot of styling students kind of come up against this barrier where 
stores don't want to work with them because they're just starting out. So they can't get access to the stock, which limits their potential to create content. What's your advice in that kind of situation? Mm, you know, it is tough. I mean, I I feel like PR, you've got to know who these people are. The people, you've got to cultivate the relationship. And it's true. Like I've been lucky because I've worked in media for so long that a lot of the PR agents are still the same. So you have that connection from way back. And I could call up someone and they're not going to question me. I think if you're a young person starting out, really the best way of gaining experience in editorial styling is to tail a stylist because you're basically using their name to Mm -hmm. get stock. After that, when you do go into PR agencies and what have you, you really, you know, it's a great opportunity to introduce yourself, like get them to get to know you and that's all you can do. It's like you're building relationships and that's how you can kind of get stock from a lot of the stores. That's a really clever idea. So kind of shadowing another stylist, assisting for free, and then when mm-hmm. you are naturally liaising with brands or agencies on their behalf, you're already getting that connection or that rapport um, and acknowledgement with those people. PR agencies will, that that's one avenue for brands that have a large enough budget to be able to pay a monthly PR fee. Mm-hmm. But what advice would you give for stylists who think, well, maybe I will target up and coming and emerging brands who are just starting, mm-hmm. who are looking for exposure? Sure. Would you recommend maybe just calling them the marketing manager or going into the store? What, what Where are they most likely to, to get some traction? Look, you know what, I think nowadays with social media, you can basically, if you've got something to show them, you must show them what you can do with their stock. Like no one wants to hire out and give out products if they don't know what you're going to be doing with it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, so go in there. If you ask, you know, call them up, make an appointment with the owner or a buyer or a marketing person and just say, hey, look, you know, I'm a stylist. I have this shoot in mind. This person is going to be shooting it. Tag him or her with their portfolio. Go in there with a concept and explain to them what you want to do. And that is a great way to meet the client, so to speak, get to know them and get stock. Great idea. Yeah, I feel like you've got to show people what you can do because there's a lot of people who want to be stylists out there. And I, I bet you they get lots of calls all the time about, pulling stock and yeah. a lot of the stores you know with the retail environment at the moment they're like oh what if it gets damaged you know that sort of thing another yeah. tip is I also if it's someone that I've never worked with before and I want to pull stocks directly from the store I normally go in there show them the concept and I say hey look I'll put my credit card details down and mm-hmm. if I don't return it you can charge me and that basically guarantees that if things go missing and there's a level of trust there that you're happy to put forward your credit card details, if something happens, they're not left with a damaged product. Absolutely. That is such great tactical advice, Carol. I'm really excited about that because those are sort of three things that stylists can do today. And that's one of the biggest challenges, the biggest barriers to building their business is, is that, well, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like, you know, do I, yeah. do you, me the, you know, do I find someone famous to shoot and then hope that I can leverage that <laughs> to get the stock or so I thank you so much for sharing that advice. That's incredible. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I think, you know, I remember when I 
we're starting out, like there's lots of people who want to do test shoots. So get the concept right, get the lighting correct. You can just do a white T-shirt and jean shoot, but show them what you can do, how what's your aesthetic and is that going to be in line with their product? Maybe you have an Instagram feed of all your portfolio shots. It doesn't have to be all fancy clothes at the beginning, but really just, you know, get some beautiful images happening and that's how you learn as well. Every time you do a shoot, you learn something new. And then with that portfolio, go and pull some products that's going to work for you. This is just gold. This is excellent. (laughs) Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Sarah. Good to see your happy face. You too. You've been listening to the Styling Advisory Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing success stories from stylists on how they built their empires. We offer all stylists a complimentary empire planning session. Head to our website and complete the online form to book yours in today at www.stylingadvisory.com.au. Keep up to date with the latest episodes, news and business tips by following at The Styling Advisory on Instagram and Facebook.